Thanks for listening to Life Kit. We'd like to better understand who is listening and how you are using podcasts. Please help us out by completing a short anonymous survey at npr.org slash podcast survey. One word. It takes less than 10 minutes and really helps support the show. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. Hey, from the east side, this is Christine Price. My life hack is those little tools, the hex keys, they're the cheap wrenches that come with flat pack furniture and such. And when you're done assembling your furniture, tape them either underneath or behind or somewhere on the object so that when you need to retighten bolts or disassemble the moves, the tools are right there. That's it. I'm Andrew Limbong, and this is NPR's Life Kit. There's no getting around the fact that the world is crazy right now. There's obviously this pandemic and all the news associated with it. You're stuck at home. Every bit of content is telling you how to eat right and exercise better and be more productive. While, let's be real, all you really want to do is go outside, hug your family, share a meal with some friends, maybe actually touch and try out something you've been meaning to buy. Well, we can't help you with those things. But have you tried making some art? Okay, obviously it's not a great substitute for those things, but art can help you filter through the noise and find out what's really important to you. For me, making art with my kids on my own has been a little something I can do that just sort of gets myself out of my own head a little bit. But it's also a way to like use your hands. It's a way of just sort of doing something a little bit meditative. It's like a... a a puzzle, <laughs> but um, but plus, w- with some thought behind it. So, in this episode of Life Kit, let's make some art. Sarah Uriscreen is the host and creator of PBS's The Art Assignment and the author of the new book, You Are an Artist, where she spoke to a bunch of different artists about what they do and their creative process and came up with these things called art assignments. And it could be something that is like a warm-up exercise for them or something that they normally do as a part of their practice. Or it could be something just far afield that they thought would be fun to put out there. They really design these assignments with other people in mind. You know, I asked them to come up with a prompt that didn't require expensive or very specific art materials. Um, and that could be done by somebody who either does or does not consider themselves to be an artist. Why bother doing art at all? I know that seems like a rudimentary question, a very basic one-to-one <laughs> sort of thing, but like, what can I get out of this? <laughs> I'm, very, I'm being very selfish. Like, what can I get out of this right now? Well, right now, I think that it's a great way to get unstuck Um, I know that a lot of people in my life are feeling very much sort of confused and a little bit adrift uh, in this coronavirus crisis that we all find ourselves in. And an art assignment in particular is a way of kind of resetting your brain a little bit. People have been making art since they've been people. It's a natural human impulse. And I think that we've sort of gotten it in our our heads that making art is this thing that only certain people can do. And so, like, in a wider holistic sense, I think that a lot of people um, think that they can't make art 
when they really can. And all they need is just sort of a little bit of a, a, a prompt, an encouragement, some direction. Tell me about Shadow Portrait. Shadow Portrait is an assignment offered by the artist Lonnie Holly, uh, who's actually an artist that I took a workshop with when I was a child in Birmingham, Alabama. One of the first types of work uh, he ever made was taking old wire and bending it into different shapes. And this has been something that he's done throughout his career. And for his assignment, Shadow Portrait, He asks you to take a wire coat hanger um, or find one and then twist the hanger from the hook until you separate the two ends and straighten it out. And then you bend the wire into a profile of your face. Uh, And then if you like, you can add beads, cloth, feathers, or any other item that helps it make, make it feel more like you. And then after you've done that, You can hang the piece up on the wall or hold it a few inches from a wall and take a picture of it and its shadow. And it can be, as he he put it, um, it can be a reminder of the person you envisioned when you made it. So this is something that I've I've definitely tried out um, and my little wire self-portrait hangs on my on my office wall. Um, Mm -hmm. And does it look like me? No. (laughs) But, um, you know, it's sort of it it reminds me of me and that I made it. What I'm really trying to do is get people to start making things. And um, and I think, uh, you know, hewing too closely to any instruction is is um, not not the intent. Mm. And it might be a way to just like use stuff that might be rattling around in your closet, right? That you haven't seen in forever. Right. Exactly. Even if you think you don't have art supplies floating around your house, I I guarantee you do. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about Fake Flyer? Yeah, sure. So um, this assignment is offered by the artist Nathaniel Russell, and he asks you to make a flyer that gives advice shares something about your life or promotes an imagined event. And then uh, the next step is to put it out into the world in some way, uh, whether it's sort of tacking it up uh, during your daily walk um, on a telephone pole or or what have you, or to share it on social media uh-huh. or to circulate it to your friends. <laughs> uh, and this is something that he's kind of played with throughout his uh, career. And he has done this series of fake flyers. And the one that we reproduced in the book is my favorite. Um, And it's a, it's a, he sort of found a picture online of a fancy French poodle. And then um, he sort of put it on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and then took a Sharpie and wrote above it in the style of uh, a, a lost dog flyer. He wrote at the top, the opposite of lost. Don't try to find me. I have finally escaped my master's wicked clutches. To the others, I say, join me. Bite the hand that feeds you. Vive la liberté, Pierre. <laughs> so I, I, you know, yes. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's it's playful, but it's also punk. You know, it's um, it, it's like finding mm-hmm. this uh, voice and this space to come up with an idea 
um, and to work within a platform that already exists. Take a familiar format and then twist it a little bit. Like, what would a band poster or flyer look like in the age of coronavirus? Not that that's a great idea. It's not. But like part of it is just kind of (laughs) sitting sitting down um, with a bunch of basic materials and playing. Like when I've done this one, even if I don't have any idea, I'll like go through a magazine and cut out a strange or interesting picture I find and then riff on that idea. So um, and and when I've done this also, like mm. I've made a bunch of them because a lot of times if you are like, oh, OK, I'm just going to make one flyer and it, you know, you put you put too much into that one flyer. So if you say like, OK, I'm going to make 10 and mm-hmm. then and then maybe one of them is decent. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So you don't even need like I don't as someone who doesn't like have a printer. Yeah, so you can just like take yeah. regular paper and like staples, staples on magazine stuff or whatever on it and like go to town, right? Yeah, or you can you can actually do this digitally too. You can find you can find an image online, you can make it on your mm-hmm. phone, you could make a you can make an Instagram post. So I think there's lots of ways that you can sort of interpret mm-hmm. it within your own um, means. Yeah. Um, I think this one hues sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum as Shadow Portrait in that where where Shadow Portrait, you're sort of like being conscious about like using up all like your your junk and trash or whatever. This one seems focused solely on like impracticality. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but what's impractical? I think we tend to underestimate how important play and impracticality are in our in our lives you know Uh i think um we're all listening to a lot of we're all listening to a lot of news too much news in my case Mm -hmm. um and you know the ability to kind of get outside of that space uh and experiment and play and use what you've got around you is is like more beneficial than we might realize The next one I want to talk about is lost objects. Can you give us a quick overview? Sure. So um, lost childhood object is an assignment devised by the Pittsburgh-based artist Lenka Clayton. And um, it is, uh, the first step is to interview someone about an object they owned and cherished as a child. You ask questions to understand its dimensions, material, texture, and form. And uh, the goal is to create a mental picture of that object. And then step two is to recreate the object as closely as you can using materials you have on hand. And step three is to give the object to the person. It's something that you could do with someone with whom you share physical space or virtually um, anytime. Um, You describe something you loved and lost as a child to me, and I'll do the same for you. And then using whatever you've got around the house, you know, maybe you're making a a teddy bear out of old plastic, um, plastic bags from the grocery store. Um, and then, and then you make it for each other. And again, like the goal isn't perfection here, but it's to sort of create a, a, a gift to give another person. Um, and to me, that's a great, uh, it's a great motivator for making something like for me, if I know that I'm going to give it to somebody, it's like an extra, um, it's like an extra Mm. kick. 
because if if it's just like, oh, I'm just doing this mm-hmm. for my own benefit, it just seems pointless. <laughs> like I want to do something for someone. Yeah. Um, so, and th- this really has that in mind because they're, they're counting on you, you know, they describe this thing and now it's in your court to yeah. realize it for them. One, one question I have when, when I was like thinking about making these and, and, and it's something I kind of struggle with when making art, a, how do you know when you're done and B, how do you know if it's good? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I usually know I'm done when I can't work on it anymore because I have something else to do. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that, like, is it that important to call it done? I mean, I think if you know it's done, it's done. <laughs> but if you're not sure, mm-hmm. then you just put it, put it to the side, walk away, like pin it up on your wall or a board and look at it. And over, over time, if you want to change it, you can change it or come back to it. I I think that to a certain extent, it can remain open-ended. And to your question about how do you know if it's any good? I I think that again, um, if you free yourself from the thought that it has to be perfectly wonderful and, um, you know, extremely impressive, to me, I don't, I don't really care if what I've made is good or not. Because for me, my, my favorite things have stories behind them. You know, they're not just sort of mm-hmm. like physically beautiful objects that I don't know anything about. But my favorite things ha- have a history. They have a context. And I think if you can internalize that, um, mm. you can get over this expectation that you need to be a masterful genius in order to make anything. When do you recommend people do these projects? Like, are, are you the type of person that, like, get like gets up every day and does it first thing in the morning? Or do you just, like, wait until inspiration strikes you? You know, art artists uh, do not necessarily separate art from their life. Like I do think that it can be helpful to give yourself a deadline or, but then it's up to you. I mean, I find that some mornings I Mm. I wake up and I feel creative and I want to do something, but more often I wake up and I don't feel creative, um, but I do something anyway. And often once you sort of get started, you find your motivation um, in that process you know, maybe you wait until your kids are in bed and say, okay, I'm going to have a glass of wine and try this exercise. I'm going to try to make a fake flyer for um, 45 minutes while I'm, um, Mm -hmm. you know, watching YouTube and doing something else too. You know, I think that, I think that's a good, I think that's a good practical way to start. And then just say, I'm going to try it for this amount of time. And if I like it, great. And if I don't, um, you know, it was 45 minutes and tomorrow I can try another thing. Yeah. And I do think it's it, it does seem important to just do it even if you're not feeling like, quote unquote, inspired, whatever that means. Right. Because, you know, momentum will take you there eventually. Oh, yeah. Almost all of the artists or makers I know do not wait for inspiration to strike to make work. I think that there's a reason why they call it a, a practice. You know, it's something that you do. It's you, you sit down and you try. Maybe the output is great and maybe it's not. But if you keep at it enough, something good will come. 
So there you have it. We hope we've inspired you. To recap, making art is a great way to get out of your own head and see the world in a new way. You don't have to make a masterpiece or be a quote-unquote creative to enjoy art. You just have to start making it. For more NPR Life Kit, check out our other episodes. I hosted one on how to appreciate poetry. My arts desk colleague, Petra Mayer, just put out an episode on how to write a novel. And we've got lots more. You can find those at npr.org slash lifekit. And if you love LifeKit and want more, subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter. Also, we want to hear your tips. What are you doing to cope right now? Leave us a voicemail at 202-216-9823 or email us at lifekit at npr.org. Special thanks to Sarah Urist-Green. This episode was produced by Andy Tagle. Megan Kane is the managing producer and Beth Donovan is our senior editor. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. Thanks for listening. The biggest story in the world is a science story. And keeping up with all the latest coronavirus research, it's a lot. So on Shortwave, we translate the science you need to know into short daily episodes. Listen and subscribe to Shortwave from NPR.